Good morning, everyone. It's been a year since I've been speaking at the front here. Um, I asked Lauren if I could be released. I'm more expository preacher, a more uh, topical preacher than expository preacher, and I could do it, but I felt I needed to function in the calling I've been called. So the week that Lauren asked if I'd be open to speak, that was the very week I felt now I can speak again, be available should I be required. And um, yes, then Lauren gets in touch, and so here I am now. Thank you, Lauren, for the opportunity, and thank you for listening. Um, the title of what I want to talk about is called The Role of Fire. The Role of Fire. And uh, it's not all extensive, of course. I mean, I didn't, well, I did, but the Bible speaks much about fire, much about fire. And I can only touch a few points today. But the seeds of this this talk go, go back 40 years, maybe more. Anyone more than 40 here? <laughs> These are all the old people raising their hands. <laughs> um, maybe even 50 years. I read an article, which I think I still have somewhere, uh, in Newsweek magazine. And it was on climate change way back then. And there were many, many pages and with maps as well. Just imagine a map of North America, for instance, and um, where it's really hot, it's really red or orange. And where it's cooler, it's uh, the colors are toned down. But it got a hold of me because North America, the show was getting hotter and was going to get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter with all the consequences as we know well, all the fires, things like that. Well, that thought stayed with me. And uh, with all that's been happening in British Columbia, on the west coast of uh, North America, I feel now's the time to sort of speak into this because of what we know is happening. And how sad it is what is happening in America and in eastern Canada in recent days to do with um, the floods. Yeah, We've got friends in Florida, oh my, 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 uh, who regularly are in touch with us. But since the hurricane, we've been trying to be in touch but haven't heard back from them. So I just hope they're doing okay. And um, one of the church, I asked about one of the church buildings, it's a big, big building. It's right near the ocean in Naples. And of course, Naples was under so many feet of water. Anyway, you know all about that. So we're living in a day where there's a lot of shaking going on. You'd agree? Lots of shaking, lots of uncertainty. And many tears have been shed, no doubt, in uh, North America and around the world because of the conflicts that are taking place. I don't want to be dramatic, but talking about the role of fire, it does bring into, into area... Uh, dramatic things. So what is fire? Well, we know it's fire. Cody, did you, where are you, Cody? Did you have campfires on your hunting trip? Just in case you didn't know, I'll speak this in humility in case you haven't heard. Um, Cody got two moose. <laughs> two moose. Um, so that was it. God provided two moose. Very, very good. Um, but I just mentioned that in case he never told anybody he got Two means <laughs> one, two. Two means one plus one. And having 
being a hunter and having shot numerous moose, it's a wonderful achievement to get two moose in such a short time as well. So congratulations, Cody. Well, what's a fire? You've been sitting around a campfire, no doubt. Uh, just a typical, simple dictionary de definition is the light and heat, and especially the flame, produced by burning. The light and heat, and especially the flame, produced by burning. Now the Bible speaks of two kinds of fire, the fire that consumes and the fire that does not consume. The fire that consumes, the fire that does not consume. We all know, know about consuming fire. In, uh, on November the 8th, 19, uh, 2018, um, there was a fire in California that brought great devastation. And um, it was called the Campfire because it started on Camp Creek Road in the Sierra Nevada foothills in Butte County and consumed 153,000 acres, or 240 square miles. It was huge. Uh, drought was a factor. At that time of the year in, in November, um, the area had only had one-seventh of the rainfall they would normally have, so things were tinder dry. And the fire spread at times at 50 miles an hour. So it just went Just like in Australia with the uh, eucalyptus trees, um, the... Uh, the vapors, the sand or whatever, and just like petrol. My, my, my. I remember lighting a fire once in Australia and uh, I didn't realise how dangerous it was, just like petrol was on the ground. And the fence was on fire and I had to quickly try and put things out. Oh, you know about fire can, don't you? You know what fire is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for the work that you do in the community. I'm sure some people need your help sometimes. <laughs> Uh, we needed this help a few weeks ago when there was a car accident. So this fire burned between November the 8th to the 25th of 2018. It was the most destructive wildfire in the history of California. It was the most expensive natural disaster in the world in 2018 in terms of insured losses. Well, just imagine what's happening in North America today, the billions, the tens of billions of dollars that they're going to have to take to rebuild uh, the devastation in California. It destroyed nearly 85,000 homes and businesses and other structures in Paradise and Conco communities. The fire that consumes, we know it well. But there's the fire that does not consume, and that we know about that too. The burning bush, Exodus chapter 3. I read uh, years ago Jamie Buckingham's book, The Way Through the Wilderness. A wonderful, wonderful book. Anyone read that book? Yeah. Jamie Buckingham was a wonderful author. We met, he came to our church in Australia, had weeks with us there. Wonderful man, a wonderful communicator. And he said that what Moses saw that day was not unusual, probably many times. He saw burning bushes, but what got his attention was that the bush was burning, but it was not consumed. And that got his attention, that drew him. And of course, God was in the bush, and um, he said, I must turn aside now and see this marvellous sight while the bush is not consumed. 
And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And we know that God revealed himself to him with a commission and revealed his personal name, uh, I am, I am, who I am. Um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You know the story well. So the Father does not consume, the Father consumes. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, we read about, um, in verse 12, we read about three guys, Jewish young men, who were taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, there were others who were not happy with the positions they were given, and uh, they wanted them out of the way. So they devised a plan, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar built a statue, and when certain musical instruments played, all the people had to bow down and worship that statue. Well, there were, like, some of the leaders came to Nebuchadnezzar and said, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship your golden image, which you have set up. And Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath. Wrath, his countenance changed towards them. And he ordered the um, furnace to be heated seven times more than usual. And even those that took these young guys to put them in the furnace, they lost their lives because of the heat of that furnace. But then Nebuchadnezzar looked and said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Fire, it was not consuming. It was a miracle. Now, I've never experienced anything like that, but I have experienced something to do with the fire that does not consume. Uh, when, we were, when we moved to Chris, uh, Brisbane, Australia, um, I became one of five pastors in the church, and my role was Minister of Pastoral Care. And as a result, I had many people coming for prayer. And over the first few weeks, as I began to do that, in fact, in the following months, but over the first few weeks in particular, person after person whom I prayed for said to me, as you laid hands upon me today, fire came through your hands. Well, I never felt the fire. But when I heard that again and again and again and again, it was like God was speaking to me. Even though you don't feel things happening, things are happening in the lives of people. Keep laying hands upon people. Keep praying for people. The fire that does not consume, but certainly consumes the things of the enemy. Fire is coming through your hands. And over the years, I've experienced from time to time people saying the same thing. It's just been quite amazing what God has done. Now, as we look ahead, in the Revelation, it talks about things in the future, such as the Great Tribulation. I'm sure many people think they're in a tribulation right now with the devastation and the losses that are taking place. Uh, Revelation 7, verses 1 to 3, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth and holding back the four winds, winds of the earth so that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. So no wind, it's really hot. Just hearing this morning about in Iraq, you know, temperatures of 50 degrees um, or more in the summer. Who would like to be there? You know, I certainly wouldn't. Um, Revelation 8 talks about the trumpets. The first sounded and then there came hail and fire mixed with blood and they were thrown to the earth 
and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So we don't like to ponder these things or even speak about them, do we? We want to be positive, positive, which is a good thing. But uh, God knows what a day will hold. He knows what the future holds. And there are certainly warnings given in the book of Revelation about things that are coming upon the earth because man has turned his back upon God. And uh, God is not only a God of uh, grace, but he's also a God of judgment. And there's coming a day of judgment. Hebrews 10.31, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And uh, Hebrews 12.28, therefore since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. These truths do one thing for me. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord. I want to please God every day. And I'm sure you do as well. Hebrews 10, 26-31 For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. The fire that consumes, the fire that does not consume. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves as they rested upon each one of them. When I became a Christian, it was in a moving of the Holy Spirit in the nation of New Zealand. A wonderful move touched the land and spread virtually to all the churches, all the churches that were willing to receive. And um, sadly, the church that Shirley was raised in much of her time, particularly as a teenager, closed the door to this move of God. And it's interesting looking back now, um, every one of the elders that year that followed when they said no to what God was doing and no to what God was doing in their church, every one of the elders lost one of their children. And um, Shirley's cousin Ian and his family were kicked out of the church. And Ian's dad, Frank, was an elder in the church, wonderful Bible teacher. He'd been in the church for, oh, probably ever since it was there. Um, and so they were kicked out and... Um, he was a beloved elder in the church and he sought the Lord that first day and the Lord spoke to him. And he wrote what God said to him in his Bible. Well, many, many years went by. In fact, 30 years went by and the elders had all passed on, or most of them had passed on, and usually, namely their sons were the elders in the day. And Ian, Shirley's cousin, was a friend of the sons. He grew up with them, they loved them, they played together, they went to school together. Um, and Ian received a request from the new elders, please come and talk to us. We want to talk about what happened to your father. And so Ian went and he took his father's Bible with him. And uh, the elders said, we want to apologise for the way our father, our fathers treated your father and ask for forgiveness. 
And Ian knew this guy guys well. He still knew them and loved them. And, and he said, very interesting. He said, I've got my dad's Bible with me today. And um, when he was kicked out because he received what the Holy Spirit was doing, in fact, he then began to move not only as a businessman, but he used to pray for people and people got healed. Shirley worked for him the first few years after she left high school. Wonderful guy. I've got my dad's Bible. And the day after he was kicked out, he was seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And God spoke to him and he wrote it down in the Bible. And this is what he wrote. Do not seek for them. Their sons will seek for you. Wow. And there was a date. And it was 30 years to that day, 30 years prior, on the very day that they were meeting, God had spoken to him, do not seek for them, their sons will seek for you. And that word came to pass. Amazing. And as a result, these new elders, what God was doing in the land, they opened themselves to the move of the Holy Spirit. It was wonderful. In fact, Ian was then asked to come and speak to the church and he did so. And shortly after that, Shirley and I were in New Zealand visiting and I was asked if I would speak to the church as well. It was interesting. The services were normally an hour or an hour and a quarter. They made the Sunday night service an hour and a quarter because a guest was there. <laughs> well, when you open the meeting to God and the Holy Spirit, you never know what may happen. And the meeting went for hours because of the Holy Spirit moving, touching people's lives. It was just amazing. This was the church we got married in. Um, how many years ago? 57 years ago. Mm. Last month. 57. So Shirley's been married 57 years. She's kind of old, isn't she? <laughs> oh. And they had no home church home now. And so they went to the Presbyterian church, which was many, many years ago, was started by one of their great-great-grandfathers. And they were open to the Holy Spirit, and people were being filled with the Holy Spirit, including Ian. And the day he got filled with the Holy Spirit, this young man, people saw tongues of fire come upon him as he was prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I just encourage you, um, have an open heart to what God is doing and will be doing in the days that lie ahead. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And the fire consumes. Look how we've been changed since we've invited Jesus into our lives as the Holy Spirit has touched our lives. Wonderful changes have taken place. I'm just uh, turning pages very quickly because I've had trouble with our computer and printer. And uh, last night, Shirley graciously managed to get it printed out because the margins are very wide and uh, or very small and... I've got many pages to say a few things. But um, in Hebrews 6, 
in my Bible, it says the peril, the subheading, the peril of falling away. Therefore, Hebrews 6, 1 to 3, therefore leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God, of instructions about washings, and the authorised vision says baptisms, it's the word baptismus, uh, and the laying of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Uh, we know well that when a house is being built, um, the building inspector has to come at different stages and give the approval to move on to the next stage. Well, we need these five foundation stones in our lives if we are to have a strong Christian life based on the good foundation of Jesus Christ. Repentance from dead works. Dead works speaks of those things that we are relying upon, our works to gain salvation. A faith toward God, self-explanatory. Instruction about baptisms, and there's more than baptism of water. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's the baptism of suffering, which we can also experience at times. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. I'd like to look at eternal judgment for a few moments because it talks about fire, 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 fire. So firstly, the judgment seat of Christ. This is spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The New Testament reveals three main successive scenes upon which eternal judgment will be carried out. Each of these scenes is marked out from the others by one distinctive feature, that is the type of seat upon which the judge will sit while carrying out the judgment. In the first scene, the seat upon which the judge will sit is called the judgment seat of Christ. Those to be judged here will be Christ's own followers, the servants, the true Christians. And that word in the Greek is the word bima, which is used of a raised platform for public address. In some other passages, it denotes the place of judgment used by the Roman emperor or by one of his deputies to hear and pronounce judgments on cases brought before them. And in Acts chapter 25, Paul appealed to Caesar uh, as his right as a Roman citizen to be judged by the emperor. So the judgment seat that we will stand before as Christians is not a judgment of condemnation. It's a judgment of reward, receiving reward or lack of reward. Then uh, the second scene is the seat of, of judgment, is the thrones, throne of Christ's glory. And those to be judged here will be the Gentile nations remaining on the earth at the close of the Great Tribulation. Um, Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46, worth looking at. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. Was sick, and you visited me. Was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in and naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? 
The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to, nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away to eternal punishment and the righteous into eternal life. Wow, pretty sobering stuff, isn't it? Um, we need to keep doing good works with the right motivation, of course, and doing it unto God blessing people, and we ourselves are blessed and will be blessed eternally. Then the third scene of judgment is called a great white throne. And those to be judged here will be all remaining dead who will be resurrected at the close of the millennium. Um, Paul, you've seen what was referred to by Paul twice in very similar language in two different passages in his epistles. Romans 14 verse 10 but why do you judge your brother, or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. Sobering things. In First Corinthians 3, verses 10 to 23, we read about the judgment seat. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, a straw. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is re to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So this is speaking of Christians, the judgment seat. Uh, fire, fire, obviously, yeah, self-explanatory. In Revelation 1, John uh, has an encounter with Jesus. And it says, His head and his hair was white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it had been made to glow in the furnace, and his voice like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the shining sunshine in its strength. When I was a young Christian, a British preacher, or Scottish preacher, called Campbell McAlpine. Have you heard of Campbell McAlpine? Oh, he was powerful. He was a fiery preacher. Not that he was jumping and running around. He just stood there, and he was anointed and powerful. And he was speaking in the local Baptist church. I'll never forget that night, because as he was preaching, 
just felt that God was speaking to me personally. You ever had that experience? You know? And um, as he stood behind the pulpit, two rays of light, two rays of fire came out of his eyes and went straight to me. So much so I, I, I couldn't stand it. I had to duck behind the people in front of me. Well, I don't know how this happened, but when he was 19 years of age, his daughter contacted me in New Zealand and said, would you say something in regard to my father, please? Uh, maybe because my mother was a McAlpine before she married. And um, when Campbell was in New Zealand one time, he met with one of my aunts who was also a McAlpine before she married. And it would appear that we were related, so maybe that was the reason uh, his daughter contacted me. I don't know. But they would not have known about that situation, so I wrote back to her to be read out the 90th anniversary of this man. And I said, you wouldn't know this, but when you spoke in the Baptist church in Palmerston North, as you were speaking, two rays of light came out of your eyes, fire. And it was so powerful, I, I had to duck behind the people in front. It just pierced right through me. So bringing it to the judgment seat of Christ, um, well, there'll be billions of people standing before Jesus. I wonder how long that will take. I don't think that's how it is. I think there could be billions of people and just in a moment of time, we would know. We would know whether our works survived, whether our works had a right motivation, whether we were walking in obedience to God or not. We would just know. So we think of that day. That doesn't mean it would take, in our terms, lots and lots and lots of time. But we must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive reward or lack of reward. And there are many in this church that are laden with reward as they get closer and closer to eternity. And we knew Ed and Ollie Alexander were, were pastors of a Christian Life Centre in, in, in um, Quilica Beach Christian Fellowship Centre. And uh, if anyone was laden with good works, it certainly was Ed and Ollie particularly. Ollie, man, just oozed out of her. She's so loving and kind and just helping, helping, giving, giving, giving of herself, which is the sign of, of a true servant. So there are people also in this fellowship laden with good works. Not that we are saved by our good works, but if we are truly saved, we should be accruing good works to our account for that day when we stand before the Lord. The nature of the judgment will not be for condemnation, but for reward. And Revelation 22, 12, um, the last, last of, some of the last of the words of Jesus that are in, uh, highlighted in my Bible. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. If you're taking notes, you may want to take these points down and uh, follow them through. The Bible speaks of all principles of judgment out of the Word. Uh, Romans chapter 1 Verses 1 and 2, judgment according to truth, it says in the authorised version. Judgment according to truth. Romans chapter 2, verse 6, judgment according to deeds, what we do. Romans chapter 2, verse 11, judgment according to no partiality. God is not a God of partiality. He judges truly. And Romans um, chapter 2, verse 12, judgment according to light. So judgment according to truth, judgment according to deeds, 
judgment according to no partiality, judgment according to light. And I believe as we're walking right with God, we can face that day with confidence, not with, not with a wrong fear, but with confidence, because God has been keeping a record of our lives, and not only the outward things, but the inward things. Even Paul said that the secrets of our heart will be revealed on that day. The secrets of our very heart. So I just encourage you to keep doing good works, not for the sake of if I do enough good works, I'm going to be saved, I'll get to heaven. Just because we know Jesus, we love him, and it's our desire to serve. If any man's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet, so as through fire. And then Revelation 20 speaks of the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. And all of these judgments, fire is associated with them. Um, then I saw a great white throne, <coughs> and him who sat upon it. This is Revelation 20, verse 11. From whose presence heaven and earth fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books are open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Well, whatever that means, it doesn't sound very exciting to me. It doesn't sound very positive to me. It sounds a very negative thing. But the way we live matters. The way we live as Christian matters. God will bring every person into account on that day. Those who've had more light than others uh, will be more judged than others, and so on. And... Uh, the Bible also speaks of becoming new heavens and a new earth. Second Peter 3, verses 10 to 14. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its work will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hasting the coming day of God, because of which of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. And then finally a new heavens and a new earth. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. <clears throat> 
And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Right? For these things are faithful and true. What a wonderful thing to be saved. What a wonderful thing to be forgiven. What a wonderful thing is to walk with a clear conscience before God. Because we are walking in the light, we are walking in obedience, we're choosing to have right attitudes towards one another, right attitudes towards God himself. I thought I'd just conclude with the story. Um, it kind of ties in. Years ago when we were in Hamilton, New Zealand, we gave leadership to the branch of the organisation, the interdenominational missionary organisation that we were leading. And a couple joined our team who were young uh, Christians, Maori people, native people in New Zealand, and they were fairly young in the faith. One day they approached us and said, would you please speak to my mother who's in hospital? Um, <clears throat> she's not a Christian. She believes in God mentally, but she's not a Christian, doesn't know the Lord. And we just knew Christians, and we feel that you could speak to him more ably than we could, since we just really knew Christians. So I went to the hospital to speak to this lady uh, who was in intensive care. She had collapsed, taken my ambulance to the hospital, and uh, she said things to me that I've never forgotten and will never forget. Speaking of the time she was unconscious, the hour she was unconscious after the collapse, she said, I felt myself slipping down, falling down, down, down. I knew I wasn't going up, I knew I was going down. She said, then I came to the end and I saw people, including my grandmother and an uncle who was a very godless man and my grandmother said to me, don't come to this place, don't come to this place. Go back, go back, go back. And she cried out to God to save her. Well, obviously people were praying, her son and his wife were praying, others were praying for her in that condition of being unconscious. But this is what she had to say when she came back. She said it to me, she said it to others. I knew I wasn't going up, I knew I was going down, down, down. Then she came to the end. She came to the place of departed spirits called Sheol in, in the, in the uh, Hebrew, Hades in the Greek. And she recognised some of her family members who were not believers that were there. These things are real, folks. We may not talk about them very much. I know Lauren has in the past. But they're very serious. Things we don't normally like talking about, but they're very serious. She wasn't one with the Lord. She was the easiest person I have ever led to Christ. She was ready. She was ready. Having glimpsed eternity and having seen something of what lies ahead, now she was back on earth and needing to be forgiven, needing to be saved. So the conviction was there. The repentant attitude was there. And I led her in a prayer and it was so wonderful uh, to have that opportunity. Well, I went to see her was at the very next day and she was out now out of intensive care into a recovery room. And as I walked to her bedside, she greeted me with these words, speaking of death. Next time, I know I'm going up. I know I'm not going down. I mean, <coughs> real words that came from her heart. Next time, I know I'm going up. I know I'm not going down. If you were to die today, do you know that you're going up? Jesus, absent with the body and present with the Lord? Or do you wonder if you could be going down? The Sheol, 
Hades, the place of departed spirits, to await the day of resurrection and following judgment. When we talk about things like I've talked about this morning, as terrible as they are, it makes us realise how wonderful it is to be saved. It makes us realise how wonderful the work of Jesus on the cross. His death, his descending into Sheol, Hades, his being raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting for all, or desiring all men would repent, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know Jesus? And if you know Jesus, are you following him with all of your heart? Are you choosing to walk in obedience day by day? Are you choosing to keep short accounts with God? Um, are you endeavouring to lay up treasure in heaven? Because Jesus told us, lay up treasure in heaven where the treasure is safe. It doesn't corrupt. It doesn't rust. Are we laying up treasure in heaven day by day? And uh, how quickly the years go by, as you know, I'm facing the last portion of my life, and some of you are also, how quickly the years have gone by. Oh, we can't turn back the pages, but we can live from today for Jesus with all of our hearts. Let's just bow our hearts in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that tells us about things to come, that warns us of judgment to come. Thank you for your word that tells us about Jesus and all he did for the world and all he did for us personally. That we can trust him with all of our hearts, we can yield to him as Lord, and we can enter into forgiveness, and we can receive the gift of eternal life. Oh, Father, we're so grateful. And we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for this great salvation that you have gained for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus, your Son. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Lord, please work in our hearts. We just make a fresh surrender of our lives again to you today. And if there should be anyone here today who's never really fully surrendered to Jesus, may that take place right now. Just encourage you, if you've never sincerely surrendered to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you can do this right now. You can lift your heart to God and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I ask you for forgiveness. I yield my entire life to you and my future to you. I choose to follow you with all of my heart. And from this day, we can commence following Jesus in sincerity. We can start doing good works as unto God, not to save us, but as a result of our being saved. And we can anticipate your faithfulness in rewarding us and others who live in such a way. We praise you and we magnify you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. How good you are, how wonderful you are. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. If any of you need to talk to someone today about what I said, feel free. If you want to talk to me, feel free. Um, if you want to talk to Shirley, feel free. If you may want to talk to Lauren, one of the leadership team, feel free. But if you're troubled and you're not at peace with God, you're not right with God, don't leave here today until you take that all-important step that will affect the future, that will affect your eternal future, that will affect what judgment you stand before. All right? God bless you.